great big good morning to everyone. Great to have you joining us, whether you're part of our studio audience, our live studio audience, or you're watching archived from anywhere in the country throughout the weeks or months ahead. It's wonderful to have you here. And, and today was, today's an interesting service because we're going to look at, at this idea of a pep talk for decline. And, and I realize that, that aging is not at the top of anyone's sermon list. Like, there probably are not a lot of people scrolling around saying, how do I handle getting older? you know, in terms of a church context. So this might, this might be actually the least popular sermon I've ever done. But I think it's really important that we actually have this conversation, that we actually look at, yeah, what does this look like to have gratitude around the idea of aging and getting older? And how does that look? And, and I think that's for most of us think that way, unless you're 20 years old, which brings this interesting statistic to mind. Years ago, I remember listening to, to a podcast, and, and the, the, the person on the podcast said this. He talked, about, he talked about the age of aspiration. So you can ask people this question. What age do you aspire to be? So just put that in your mind for a second. In the United States, in the United States, when you average it all out for what people aspire to be, it comes down to 20 years old. I mean, it should be 21 so you can have a beer, but that's the average is, is 20. What's interesting is this. Do you know what it is in the world when you ask that same question? It's 70. Isn't that different? Because I don't know any American who says, like, I cannot wait to be 70 years old. You know, we're all talking about wanting to be 20, which tells you there's a, there's a cultural construct here at work that we need to look at and we need to look at in terms of, of faith and maybe find a different way to look at it and a different way to kind of settle into gratitude around aging. Because there are some really good things about it. You know, I think, I think now that I'm older, boy, I'm just, I'm just a lot more patient. You know, I, I, I was just, this is going to turn into a sermon itself, but but that idea of, of being patient and having faith, that idea of how patience and faith go together, that's much stronger for me today than, I, than it was in my 20s where I wanted everything solved yesterday. And we also get a chance to see gratitude in a very, very different way. So this is where I wanna start with that gratitude. New Church Live, we, again, we have people literally all over the country. So, so next week, for example, Curtis Childs is going to be here. I'm going to be down in South Carolina at Charleston, preaching with some congregants down there. That'll be a ton of fun. So, so wherever you're watching this from, you're welcome to text in an answer to this particular question. And the question is this, where would you like to thank goodness? Because it was interesting. You know, I was thinking about it with gratitude. Isn't it interesting we use that phrase, right? We use the phrase like, oh, thank goodness. Think about that for a second. That means there's part of us that's literally able to thank goodness. And I want to know where you would see that. I mean, one, one I just got this morning that was, that, was, uh, that was really fun. I got a note from a from a couple, and this literally happened right before church. Hi, Pastor Chuck, I wanted to reach out and share with you a two-year marriage update. Our relationship is going strong, and we celebrated our anniversary a little differently this year as we welcomed our baby boy, Nolan, in mid-October. Hope all is well. You know, folks, I, I can read an email like that, and, and I can literally can thank goodness, right? I, I can be thankful that they have this beautiful child. I can be thankful that their marriage is thriving. I can be thankful for all that. And at a bigger level, I can also be thankful for the goodness in that. Like, there's a lot. That, that kind of note just drips with goodness. So that's what I'd love to hear from you. Where would you like to thank goodness? And what you can do is you can text me your answer, 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. And we'll come back full circle to those answers as we close today's service. So as we go into our first song, folks, very grateful you're here. Welcome. Welcome to New Church Live.
to see you cry Lying there in that position There's things you need to hear So turn off your tears and listen Pain throws your heart to the ground Love turns the whole thing around No, it won't all go the way it should But I know the heart of life is good You know it's nothing new Bad news never had good timing Then the circle of your friends Will defend the silver lining Pain throws your heart to the ground Love turns the whole thing around No, it won't all go the way it should But I know the heart of life is good Pain throws your heart to the ground Love turns the whole thing around Fear is a friend who's misunderstood But I know the heart of life is good I know it's good Boy, do I, I just love that song. Such a beautiful song. And, and that idea of the very goodness of life. Now, now again, that word goodness is, is, is a powerful word because it's not the word perfection. I feel like I say that a lot, and that's because I think it needs to be said a lot. Life is good, and we're not guaranteed perfection. That's not how it works. So let's take a look. Let, let's, pick up, let's pick up this theme around thanking goodness, and let's pick up this theme around this, this pep talk for decline and how, and how we can see some of the challenges in life maybe in a different way and see how gratitude kind of fits in. So the story I want to share with you is a story about Jesus, one of Jesus, part of which is, is some of Jesus' greatest hits and another part is a passage we rarely, 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 rarely preach on. Or you, for a lot of you, even though those of you who've done church before, maybe the first time you've heard a sermon on this particular passage that I'm going to look at in a minute. But first, I want to set you the context. So it comes to the end of the Gospel of John. There's four Gospels, each with slightly different stories of Jesus. Gospels, Gospel of John's a lot of different stories around Jesus. And, and this one is one of my favorites. So we have the Easter story. We have Jesus dies. There's a day of waiting. There's a day of resurrection. And at the end of that, I'll put a little note. Come back in April to find out more. And, and that's the Easter story right there. And, and there's this triumph, there's this triumph of, of Jesus and he's, he's raised from the dead and he, he comes back and he tells his followers to rejoice. One of my favorite things to preach on is the idea that word rejoice actually means to thrive, to thrive. He's like thrive, thrive, like death and, and waiting and resurrection, it's all part of the game, all part of how life works. So then shortly after the resurrection, Jesus' followers are out in a boat and, and they see him. They see him over on this shore, and he's actually cooking fish, which is kind of interesting, and there's some humor in that, which I'm not going to go into. But they see him, and, and Peter, one of his, his big followers, one of his boys, hops in the water, swims, chatting it up with Jesus. The other guys come, they're all chatting it up. 
And, and Jesus has this beautiful teaching moment where he's teaching them about what love is and how real love sacrifices of itself, very Jesus-y kind of things to teach on. And, and nine times out of ten, that's right where the story stops. When you preach, you sort of draw a hard line right after that. Because it's such a feel-good story. Like, Jesus is alive. He, he's resurrected, and look, he's, he's talking to them about love. He's, he's explaining to them how love really works. That's beautiful stuff. And then the story takes another step into this passage that's, that's rarely talked about because it's, because it's a little bit different. Very truly, I tell you, and these are Jesus' words, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Wow. Talk about buzzkill right there. You know, that's, that's, a pretty stark, that's a pretty stark thing to say. Because, folks, this should have been all about triumph, right? It should have been all about overcoming the powers of darkness. And here's Jesus, and I think he's saying it with a smile again. And he's saying, yeah, and in this life you are going to get older. And you are literally going to experience decline, a shift. And that's going to be part of your life, too. It's interesting because it's, it's a shift away from triumphalism. So what, what can we do to sort of pull this together and to think, okay, what does this have to do with, with our lives and with learning how to literally to thank goodness? And what I want to do to talk about that is, is start out with this idea of the striver's curse. The striver's curse. Now, we live in a culture of striving, and I had a, a, a wonderful meal out with a friend, and, and this friend was saying, yeah, you know what, ambition sort of is shifting for me as I get older, and that's very true. And we live in a culture where, where ambition is sort of lauded, where, where we want to be more and more ambitious. We want to always be doing more and more. We want to always be reaching higher and higher and higher. And it's not that striving is bad. I mean, again, folks, always play the opposite game, right? Is, does that mean that not striving is good? No. I mean, we, we need to be striving in our lives. That's clear. And we also need to remember this, folks, that there is, there is, there is a curse to it. This Bible line comes to mind. You know, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Beautiful warning from Jesus there that we can, we can so get caught up in striving that we lose the first things first. We lose the first things recognizably first. I, I think about in, in, in life, you know, in, in church, you know, we do a lot of different celebrations. We do, we do weddings, funerals, baptisms, house blessings. And it's so easy with those things to get caught up in all the busyness of it in making it this great, incredibly perfect thing that that endeavor gets a life of its own. I mean, how many of us have had a big party at our house and forgotten to enjoy it? Right? Probably a lot of us have. Because we got so consumed by all the nuts and bolts and the, and the potato chips and Uncle Fred's peanut allergy and, you know, all that stuff that it quickly took us out of the enjoyment of the moment. That's the striver's curse. When all we're doing is striving, 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 we're missing what life is right in front of us. And I want to show this to you in, in terms of a couple of graphs to think about here, folks. This first one here. If we think about, you know, our expectations in life, if we strive, we just keep that expectations are going up and up and up. In other words, if we won X this year, we want to win X plus next year. If our 401ks did X this year, we want to do them X plus next year. If we receive these awards or, or accolades at work this year, we want to receive that plus next year. That's, that's the striver's expectations. And they just keep on going up and up and up. And yet in life, there's also this other line, which is the reality of decline. The reality that life does shift, and at times, shifts pretty dramatically. 
As some of you know, you know, at, at, a, at a certain time, when I was in my young years, when I was in my 20s, I was a public school teacher. And I can remember standing in that place as a public school teacher, and it was a really great career. I got to coach sports. I got to, got to uh, teach American history, which I love. It just was a really good experience, great experience. And no doubt we even have some, some of my former students oftentimes tune into New Church Live, which is fun. And I remember on the first day, like I was in a school district that, that was not really great on, on discipline. And so the, really, the only way you had to control kids and, and keep things moving was to learn their names. So I can remember every day, I mean, excuse me, first day and first class of every year, first day of the year, first class, every time I would meet with a new class of kids, which was like 30 to 32 kids often, I literally would memorize all their names on the first day. I could memorize 90 names plus in one day's time. And really, I could learn those names within about 10 minutes. We did a little exercise to do that. Within 10 minutes, like, that's crazy. Does anyone have problems with names now? <laughs> you know, I, I'm constantly confusing my kids. I'm constantly forgetting names. I'm constantly looking at congregants who I know and love, and I know them really well. I could tell you their life story, and I'm just thinking for a minute, I have no clue. Please don't ask me for your first name, because I'm going to miss it. I, think you've, I hope you've all experienced that. That's just part of life. I could never, I could never memorize 90 names, have them down in one day's time, putting a name with a face. Couldn't do it. Impossible. But I could back then. And so, folks, going to this, going to this second graph here. So what that means is, is we have these gaps that are part of it. So we have expectations of the way life is going. And, and I think, again, to draw it back to the Bible, I, I think spiritually, I imagine, you know, these 12 disciples, I think of Peter, they had their expectations too, this expectations of triumph, this expectation of power, like literally they thought they were going to get to be kings again. They were going to be on Jesus' right hand when he came back to rule the world. And, and, you know, those expectations would have just been, I mean, you think about Easter, like here Jesus pulls off being raised from the dead, those expectations would have been through the roof. But yet there's a reality of decline. And I think real important, I'm going to touch on this in several ways, that distance between what our expectations are and the reality of what life is, that can lead to a lot of complaint. That can lead to a lot of complaint. And how can we, though, fit gratitude into this piece? I mean, I'm going to step back here for a second. I think this really is the critical part right here. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. That idea, folks, even spiritually, like I want to say, I, I, I see this story and I, I see it so much of what, what they must have been wrestling with when I, when I put myself in their shoes you can just see that, right? And I think Jesus here is saying, well, there's actually a reality of decline to our life. And we have to understand that. And listen to this phrase. You know, if you're, if you're taking notes, this is one I would take a note on. And this is, uh, this, is, this is from the author Arthur Brooks. He says, our job, he's a wonderful Christian author, by the way, wrote the book uh, Strength to Strength, if you want to read it. And, and he said, what we have to do is we have to learn to settle onto the curve. I think that's what Jesus is doing here. I think Jesus is telling them, look, I know you think it's all about triumph in, in the way you would define it. And I think what Jesus would say is, my idea of triumph is going to be different from yours. It's not going to be about wins. It's going to be about love. And it's going to be about how do you tune your life into love where you are. Now, I realize this is, this is what I'm about to say is, is going to sound strange to anyone who's probably under 40 who's watching, which I know we've got a lot of people under 40. But back in the day, when they used to tune pianos, they literally, you didn't have electronic pianos back then. I remember watching guys, and they'd have a big bag with all the tuning forks, 
and they would hit the tuning fork and then play the piano and then adjust it and, and so, that it, so that it got it totally in tune. I think that's what Jesus is talking about as the when. It's where everything gets tuned to love. Now we get to play the song as we get to play it, as God gives us to hear it or see it, however you want to say that. We get to join in to a chorus. We get to be part of an orchestra. But it all has to get tuned to love. All has to get tuned into that love. And I think that's, that's so important to have, and that's why we need to settle onto the curve, or, or, or somehow it's just going to be out of tune. The reality of understanding our lives where they are as they are. So some things, so some things shift here, folks. Think of this question. What assignment do we find as we settle onto the curve? Now, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a bigger picture here, but, but I want to sort of start with just a small thing. When we look at the assignment, I think it's important to remember that the gratitude part of this, folks, Marcus, can we actually flip back to that last slide here, the one before? Yeah. The gratitude piece here, a lot of people... When they, when they struggle with the reality of decline, it's really hard to think in terms of gratitude. Like, how can you be grateful when the graph is going down? How does that work? And if, if this decline is inevitable, we're certainly going to have to figure that out, right? And this is maybe one way to think of it. That that decline, what happens, folks, sort of our baseline and, and then, you know, baseline of zero on up, think of that being flatlined on up, that gratitude actually gets condensed. I want to say that again, that gratitude actually gets condensed. So fewer and fewer things, listen carefully, so fewer and fewer things mean more and more. Fewer and fewer things mean more and more. I was talking to a buddy of mine whose dad is in hospice, a wonderful part of our congregation, and he was talking about his dad as his dad is sort of wrapping up this life. His dad's simple joy of having his kids stop by to see him. Think about that. Joy condensed. And there's a way in which, even as we get closer to the end of our lives, that joy becomes even more condensed, that gratitude even richer in those small little moments that, frankly, when you're young and hurried and, and you got kids screaming and you're trying to grocery shop, you're going to mess. So that's part of this assignment, too. And let's put that gratitude thing into a context here. So here's an idea, folks, to think of. And this one I would take a screenshot of. I think so much is settling onto the curve, the curve of our life. What Jesus is talking about here is understanding acceptance, surrender, what is your will, God? So anytime we offer a service here in New Church Live, we are all fully aware that there's someone who is watching this who's having a crisis. Probably several dozen people who are having a crisis. This can be a lifesaver for you. Imagine taking a breath. Simple words. Acceptance. Surrender. What is your will, God? And that what is your will, God, turns right back into acceptance of life. Life on life's terms, as my dear friend out in California often reminds me. So there's that initial acceptance, folks, like, oh, this is, this is the way life is. This is the way life is. And then there's this surrender. Now, now here, this is really important, super critical. We get the choice to either surrender to complaint or to surrender to gratitude. I barely have the words to share how significant that is. It is incredibly important to remember. That's your choice around surrender. It is very easy to surrender to complaint. Because we have our expectations of the way life is. 
we have the reality that we're faced with, it is so easy to surrender to complaint. Ready for this? Because complaint makes sense. It totally makes sense. Like, why not complain? This is the way the line's supposed to be. <laughs> and it's the way oftentimes it is when we're younger. Not for everybody, but for a lot of people. And what happens if we just surrender to complaint in our lives? I've seen that. Don't be that person. If you think of it this way, folks, right? Life has hope and life has suffering. Those two are just givens. It has hope and it has suffering. It's sad witnessing people for whom suffering is their only thing. They no longer have hope. They've, they've removed it. They've, they've replaced it with complaint. And so complaint and suffering just create this this matrix of sorts, it's no good. No good. It's much better to think about how do you, you can literally think of this, how do you plan in your life to surrender to gratitude? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? I think that there's, there's, so much power in this, folks, in understanding how this works and seeing the big picture here, which is the, the big picture when we can start to understand, yep, life will decline. That seems to be part of the game. Life will decline, and we get these, these condensed forms of gratitude, not less grateful for life, but actually more grateful around small things. I, I love the way one person said it. It was beautiful. Life may not get better, but we get better at accepting life. And this acceptance open us, opens us up for joy through connection with our fellows. Beautiful line. So we, we do that, folks. This, this self-centeredness, this selfishness, it just starts to go. Gratitude is, is, true gratitude is always outward looking. Play on words again. Thank goodness. <laughs> Literally, thank goodness it is. Can we get a chance to see that over and over again? You know, absolutely, friends, we can. We can come to literally thank goodness. That's that surrender to gratitude. That's that part of acceptance, surrender. God, what is your will here? Here's some pictures from yesterday. Yesterday, I was privileged to, to do the last New Church Live wedding of the season. Loved doing November weddings. There was a slight upcharge for the 70-degree temperature, by the way, I told the couple. But, but this couple just, oh, love them to pieces. They live in New Jersey. They may be watching today, in which case, big hello. And they were going to get married pre-COVID. COVID comes along, they have to delay the wedding, and then she gets diagnosed with cancer. She overcomes it, and let me tell you, that was one fun wedding, as you can imagine. And not only was it fun being with an amazing couple, but then the, then, then the, the videographer there is one of my daughter's best friends, so we were hamming it up a little bit. And then I'm outside. I mean, look at that cloud. Like, that's ridiculous. Those are the clouds outside, and you can see, you can see a V of, if you have really sharp eyes, you can see a V of geese flying over. I mean, thank goodness, right? There's so much goodness. There's so much goodness there. And that's what we can come to thank, right? That bigger picture. Could I surrender to complaint? Absolutely. Could I legitimately surrender to complaint? Could you legitimately surrender to complaint? Could we all legitimately surrender to complaint? Absolutely. And if we do, you'll never see that. You'll never see it. It's there, but you won't see it. So folks, when we come back, I want to wrap up this story, and I want to talk 
just closing thoughts around really going out of here with this thing, learning how to thank goodness. Seven years old, Mama told me, Get yourself some friends or you'll be lonely. Once I was seven years old, it was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger, pushing each other to the limits. We were learning quicker. By 11, we were smoking, drinking, burning liquor. Never rich, so we were out to make the steady figure. Once I was 11 years old, Daddy told me, Get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. I always had that dream like my daddy before me. So I started writing songs, I started writing stories Something about that glory just always seemed to bore me Cause only those I really love will ever really know me Once I was 20 years old, story got told For the morning sun when life was lonely Once I was 20 years old I only see my goals, I don't believe in failure Cause I know the smallest voices, they can make it major I got my boys with me, at least those in favor And if we don't before I leave, I hope I see you later Once I was 30 years old, story got told I was writing about everything I saw before me Once I was 30 years old Soon we'll be 40 years old Songs have been sold, traveled around the world and we're still roaming. Soon we'll be 40 years old. I'm still learning about life, my woman bore children for me. So I can sing them all my songs and I can tell them stories. Most of my boys are with me, some are proud, still seeking glory. And some I had to leave behind, my brother, I'm still sorry. Soon we'll be 60 years old. Daddy got 61, remember life, and then your life becomes a better one. I made a man so happy when I wrote a letter once. I hope my children come to visit once or twice a month. Soon I'll be 60 years old. Think the world is colder, but I have a lot of children that can warm me. yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once I was seven years old thank you ah beautiful song so folks again I, I I'm not going to do justice to all the text hey New messages. Church Live it's Angela I just want to invite you all to make a donation to New Church Live today we have a very generous donor who's offering to match any donations up to $10,000 if they're made before the end of the calendar year. So if you're looking for an opportunity to increase your donation, this is a really amazing opportunity. If you wanna make a donation, you can go to our website or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. We hope you'll consider making a donation and we hope you'll take advantage of this really amazing opportunity. So thank you everyone. Thank you, Ange. Hey, New Oh, we wanted donations twice. Uh, you know, beautiful things. And again, I'm never going to do justice to the, to the beautiful things that come in from people. And it really is incredible. And I do want to invite you, again, even if you're watching a week later, uh, which, which most people we watch, like 90-plus percent of folks watch Archive now, please feel free to shoot me in a text. Like, I love hearing people's thoughts. They're so beautiful. 
Uh, I'll, I'll just read through some of them here. Uh, one congregant who had invited me over for dinner with him and his wife said, thank goodness Chuck is not a picky eater. Another one, an older friend from BA who had a large family spread out from the depression till the baby boom said to me, I wake up every day and say, thank you, Lord, for letting me sleep through the night. Great role model for a young woman just starting adulting. I hope at 71 I'm living up to her example. Beautiful. Good morning, Pastor Chuck. I want to thank goodness as my own parents age. And though the duration of my relationship with them diminishes, at least on this side of eternity, well said, the depth only grows. Boy, that's good. Thank goodness for that. So just, that's, that's that, right? That's that condensing. So thank you for sending that in, Kentucky. Um, I would like to say, I would like to thank goodness for us starting our marriage and family at the beach and that we are moving to the Kempton area up by Allentown next month to a mountain property. We will be much closer to family and a new church live, I'm just adding. And it's interesting, this, this congregant said, those lines look like they crossed at 20, which is probably, probably true. I didn't even realize that. Another person writes, thank goodness, thank God for everything, but for me right now for extraordinary cancer treatment. I'm grateful and feel utterly blessed despite hard but temporary side effects. I thank goodness for those who listen and hope they feel listened to by me. Another writes, goodness is what truly makes the world go round in the long run. Amen to that. Another person writes, I thank goodness of folks who invited and embraced me into their love and friendship, including taking, taking a friend bowling. When you're 16 or 26 or 36 or 46, you're working, working towards your aspirations. By the time you're 60 plus, you're hoping aspiration remains something to strive for and not a respiratory issue. Well said. That's really good. I see goodness in those who serve others. Beautiful. Friendship, that person you can just call and say anything. And I would add to that particular person and is willing to allow me to come over and watch football anytime. I was recently in the hospital and thank goodness I must acknowledge is my daughter who came and loved me unconditionally in both my work and home community. People showed up unexpectedly and showed abundant love. I'm humble and grateful. Thank goodness I'm alive and loved. Beautiful. Thank goodness that I am at a place in life where I am loved. I have people that I care about and care about me, and I'm content and happy. Oh, this is a beautiful phrase. Cascading layers of community. I thank goodness to live in this country, in this community, friends, family I married into, family of origin, nuclear family, and my marriage. I am blessed. Thank goodness that as I age, I now have the foresight to know that the hard times will pass, and there's always light at the end of the tunnel, even if I can't see it. Oh, I'm thankful for the goodness of sweet, supportive friends who has stood by me while my brother has been in the hospital for the past four weeks. I'm thankful for little gifts. He gives us like snow sparkles. He didn't have to do that. That's beautiful. And I just feel like it doesn't work. So, so folks, um, yeah, just, just think of all those thank goodness things. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't I, I, think what, I think what Jesus is saying, like I think he's calling us to the both and here, right? He's not saying life is just suffering, or it's just hard, or it's just aging. He's coming off of the, 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 the coattails of this joy that is just so beyond what any of us could imagine. I mean, folks, you just get in this space, right? Hold someone in your heart right now who you love dearly, and who loves you, and who has passed. Think of the sheer joy at seeing them again. Which I know you will. And just incredible joy around that. That's the, the joy that occasions this John 21 chapter. And here's Jesus also reminding us, yeah, and, there's, and it doesn't mean that this life won't have its challenges. We had an amazing small group uh, experience. You know, we've been doing this small group on gratitude. And... Uh, our friend Sue was offering this observation. We were talking about how there's beauty in life and there's the ache, right? There's the ache. And, and what, what this person shared was, what Sue shared was that, oh, maybe they're flipped. Maybe we start to feel the ache and that can point us to beauty. And I want to get a lot into semantics on that, right? But, but there's something about understanding that, yeah, life really fills with the ache and beauty. 
Even things as beautiful as a wedding, depending on where you are in your life, also can carry a bit of an ache. And that ache just can point us to beauty. The beauty of those moments. The beauty of love. The beauty of connection. The beauty of Anamkara, Celtic for soul friendship, or as we would call it here in the Christian New Church, conjugal love. Like you can point to all those things. But the ache is there, of course, for a lot of people. See, I, I think that's the kind of gratitude that, that Jesus is asking us to, to think about because, because it's real and it's rich and it's able to transport itself through any phase of life we might be in. The striver's curse, the striver's curve, the striver's whatever, that's not what Jesus is doing. He's loving you right where you are. He's loving the whole thing. He's asking us to do the same. So here's the funny part of this story. At least I find it, I find it funny. So here's this story. You kind of like, I build it from over in that part of the stage. It comes up. Here's all this joy, all this triumph. And then Jesus says the ultimate buzzkill. Essentially, you're all going to get old. And, and, and you would think, right, like as that conversation trails off, how does it actually end up? What does Jesus say at the end of this? And this is where, folks, like, if you don't find humor in Jesus, I think you're missing what he's really all about. Because this is what he says. Follow me. I mean, just, just think of the humor of that. Right? All this, you know, the graph all going up, and then Jesus sort of, you know, buzzkill, like, and you're all going to get older. And then I think with a big smile, he goes like, follow me. Do you see why the gospel's good news? There's a beautiful thing about being able to follow God through life and God following us. And, and how do we sort of pull that all together and maybe very softly, like look at these words from Isaiah, very softly be able to say these words. Even to your old age, I am God. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save good stuff. That's good stuff. Even being able to find God in that place, to follow God through that place, to see all these little things as just doorways into what's next. As we do that, folks, we end up, and I love this line, we end up with this idea of crystallized intelligence. And a little aside that was fun, my, my dear buddy Kevin out in, out in Arizona, he had literally, as I was writing these words, he, he, was, I, he called and he's telling me about something he read and it's, oh, this author, he talks about crystallized intelligence you get when you're older. And I, I just found that as a, like a double reminder that this is an important concept. He said, what happens with crystallized intelligence, we then get to this point, and I think this is where gratitude really fits in, where everything starts to remind you of everything. You see a tree, it's no longer just a tree. You see a beautiful sky, it's no longer just a beautiful sky. You see a wonderful couple getting married, it's no longer just a wonderful couple getting married. I think you know what I'm talking about. Where literally everything reminds us I'm going to add in the word with gratitude of everything. Thomas Merton, allow these words to sink in. The gate of heaven is everywhere. That's really good. The gate of heaven is everywhere. Friends, the gate of heaven is everywhere. This we know to be true. Thank goodness. Amen. I'm now, folks, going to offer a final prayer, and then we'll have a time for a little meditative prayer, and then a time for a final song. So please join me. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence here today. 
thank you for bringing these wonderful people, both here in our studio audience, as well as all the countless people joining us from across the country, from Georgia, from Kentucky, from California, from Ohio, from all the different parts of Pennsylvania, and all different places on the map. Thank you for the presence here with us, Lord. And Lord, as well, today we ask just to be able to thank goodness in new ways, to see you in all things, to remember everything is there to remind us of everything. Thank goodness. We so appreciate, Lord, this opportunity we have to live. And whether we find ourselves in a state of deep decline or the simple state of forgetting names, regardless, Allow us to find gratitude. Allow us, Lord, to remember again and again the choice so much is which do we surrender to? Do we surrender to complaint over a life that is not the one we necessarily would have mapped out? Or do we surrender to gratitude of the incredible life that we have, bruised, broken as it is? I think we know, Lord, where you stand. Gospel. Good news, placing us here, placing us now, with a simple ask, friends, follow me. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Bless all these congregants in the week ahead. In your name we pray. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And a final blessing, a blessing thousands of years old. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends. in my head many years from now will you still be sending me a valentine birthday greeting bottle of wine if I've been out till quarter to three would you lock the door will you still need me will you still feed me when I'm 64 
devastating point of view Indicate precisely what you mean to say You're sincerely wasting away Give me your answer, fill in a form My forevermore Oh, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Thank you, guys. Have a great week.